Coming up, we go into the vault with Ryan Reynolds and get social with Aubrey Plaza. I'm not interested in, you know, sharing every bit of my life with people that I don't know on their on you know social media on any other movie my safety word would have been something hilarious like you know bolognese uh, but uh, but no and this it was just cut if I call cut get me the hell out of there I would never you know have some you know someone else write a book and then put my name on it I'm just not like that or it's one of those films that at worst it's an art house movie that you know uh, never caught on to the mainstream at, at best it explodes and people see something that really dares an audience to, to, you know, to, to experience something rather than just watch it. I mean, the film is a true experience. I think you feel it when you watch it, and that's, a, that's unusual to find, find a movie like that, let alone see a studio release it. Hey, folks, welcome to the House of Krauss. I'm Richard Krauss. Welcome, come on in, pull up a beanbag chair, and enjoy the conversations as they fly through the air. A little bit later on, Aubrey Plaza will join us. We're going to get social with her. Well, that means talking about Twitter, Instagram, and the up and maybe the dark side of social media. First up, though, in tribute to Ryan Reynolds, whose movie The Hitman's Bodyguard is out this weekend, I thought we'd have a look back at a couple of movies. Well, one we're going to talk about, but I'll tell you about a couple. A couple of movies that really break the movie star mold for him. The Hitman's Bodyguard is a pretty fun little movie. It's funny. It's got some action. It's the kind of stupid movie that comes out in the summer and you sit back, eat popcorn, and luxuriate in it. There's nothing more to it than that. I call it like almost like a goldfish review. I like a goldfish. Completely probably forgot almost all about this movie 10 minutes after watching it, but... For the moment I was sitting in the movie theater, I really enjoyed it. But I wanted to talk about Reynolds as uh, an actor who takes chances. I think so often we look at the big movies that he makes, and we don't really give him credit for some of these smaller, stranger things. So think about the voices. He plays a wholesome-looking character named Jerry. He's an eager-to-please factory worker with a crush on the cute accountant who works upstairs. When she stands him up for a date, however, it becomes apparent that Jerry has really serious problems. As bodies pile up, he grapples with the voices in his head that tell him to do just terrible things. It's kitschy, it's strange and decidedly off-kilter, but the voices have some funny moments and revolves around Reynolds' winningly odd performance. The movie I want to talk with him about, though, we had to go to the vault, look around for this one. It's called Buried. He plays a civilian truck driver in Iraq. He's taken hostage, buried deep underground, and he'll be left to die unless a ransom is paid. And the entire movie happens inside the four walls of this coffin with only Reynolds and a cell phone on display. Now, unable to rely on his usual comic timing and, well, let's face it, bulging muscles, I think Reynolds really hits a career high in Buried. He keeps the audience intrigued for most of the 90-minute running time. Here's Ryan Reynolds from The Vault talking about Buried. Tell me what it was 
uh, about this script when it came across your desk because you must have known it was going to be kind of unpleasant <laughs> to, yeah, to make this movie. I so did. what was it that went, you know what, i got to do this? Well, for starters, I don't have a desk. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I got the script through the, through the usual channels. I knew it was, it was something, um, I was told it was, it was something Hitchcockian. And I, and I, was, I wasn't thinking... Uh, rope or lifeboat I was thinking more in the vertigo kind of world I mean something a little bit more like a suspense thriller that's a little more laconic and um and I got this script and it was about 79 pages long which is quite short by Hollywood standards and um it was just riveting I mean incredible 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 script one of the best I'd ever read and and uh the answer was definitely not no way am I doing this movie (laughs) specifically because it's impossible to shoot and I just I just had I've been around long enough to know that you say yes to a movie like this, you're out there shooting, and, and then you find out on your fifth fifth day of shooting that they're going to be doing some exteriors now, and that they're going to be doing, you know, they're going to betray the, 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 the film's main conceit, which oh, makes it unique. Right, right, right. Uh, so then I got a letter from this Spanish fellow named Rodrigo Cortez, uh, and he was to be the director, and it was about as long as the script, his letter. And the letter... Stated in no uncertain terms that the that the, that the film would maintain all the integrity of the script and then some, and uh, I, I've never heard of someone being so right. I mean, he just he nailed it. He knew how to shoot it. Um, he found a way to do it where it was not only cinematically enjoyable but uh, but in, inventive and, and just something you've never seen before. And um, I was just so taken with his enthusiasm and passion, and it was incredible. I couldn't believe it when I saw it because, like you, I thought, okay, it'll be like phone booth. It happens mostly in the phone booth. He doesn't leave the phone booth for most of the movie, but there's other characters, there's things going on. And I have to, when when the screen comes up and it's dark and we hear like breathing and there's some scratching, I think. And and then the first camera shot of you and it's sort of your nose and eyes kind of thing with the cell phone. And I thought, this is going to be all in the box. We're going for it. Yeah. Yeah, uh... Was there a moment that you might have thought, man, I don't know, maybe we should get out of the box or do a flashback, show the insurgents kidnapping me, something, anything? No. Never, no. I mean, I, I, I would never have wanted to do that. That would have spoiled everything, I right. think. Um, I, 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 I got that sense the first day. The film was shot chronologically, too, which is a rare treat because you, right. you never get an opportunity like that. It's usually out of order, and you're, you find yourself at home reading the entire script over again because you want to make sure you left no stone unturned. And, uh, in this situation, I just got to really kind of go with it, and there was no rehearsal, no anything. We Nothing. Just, eh? yeah. No, I don't think it's something you rehearse. It's just yeah. when you're in that kind of, you know, when you're going through all those stages of, you know, grief, panic, anger, surrender, acceptance. I mean, I just think you you got to kind of let yourself go for it the first time on camera. Right. Was this a tough one to you know get out of the box and leave? At, in the box when you went home? Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm always never a fan of actors that kind of romanticize the yeah, process yeah. a little yeah, too yeah. much. But um, to be perfectly honest, I, I had a really tough time uh, keeping it together, <laughs> shooting the movie. Um, I was a little out of control when we were shooting, and it was, uh, it was a very tough shoot, for I think, for everybody. I mean, uh, uh, you know, you go home at the end of the day, and I mean, you spent the majority of the day in, in, a, in, a, in a heightened state of anxiety or panic, and there's no sleeping, there's no anything, you know, and... Um, a great example, I think, of that is shooting the film, and I'm doing these scenes where I'm screaming to get out of this, but right at the very end of the movie, and I'm yelling at Dan Brenner because I'm running out of time, and uh, the crew kept ripping the coffin apart because they thought I wasn't 
I changed it each time. I, I would change. I would say a different dialogue. I would have a little. I would you know the takes were much longer or much shorter the next. So there was no consistency for the crew to go by. So, and that that day we happened to have this uh, a heightened sense of anxiety on set as well because it was toward the end and they had to close the coffin completely in order for me to do the last piece. So the paramedics were on set and it was just everybody was on edge and I think it showed when we were in in, in the actual process of shooting it. So so the crew kept ripping off the top of the coffin and I kept you know. You try not to get mad at them because they're doing it, at, at, you know, because they care. But none of them speak English. We're shooting the whole thing in Spain, and um, and uh, you know, I finally I said I have to have a safety word. Well, I was going to say, did you have a yeah, word where you, know, you know, the tortoise? And, yeah, you know. exactly. Yeah, yeah. On any other movie, my safety word would have been something hilarious, like you know, bolognese. Uh, but uh, but no, and this it was just cut. If I call cut, get me the hell out of there. Yeah, yeah. Or if I fall silent, there's something even more. <laughs> Wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I can't say the safety yeah, word, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you're shooting in Spain too. Uh, you're, you know, going back to like, you know, a hotel room afterwards. So there's no real comfort. You're, there's probably not a lot of comfort no. involved in this whole shoot. No. But I wonder if that feeds the performance, though. You know, I mean, it's awful, probably, yeah. be doing it. You yeah. know, for 17 days when the, yeah. for the shooting time. But I would imagine that. You know, the sort of the anxiety maybe of knowing that you got to go back and get in that box might have fed the performance yeah. in a way that maybe it wouldn't have. It had been a Hollywood movie, and it, you might have been able to go home afterwards. Or yeah, you know, I, I, in retrospect, I'm, I was thrilled that we shot in, in Barcelona, and I was thrilled that that um, well, the movie was a zero budget film, so I was, you know, I, I went there alone. There was no, you know, I didn't come with a, a like a you know a hair person or any of that crap. It's not like we needed any of that stuff anyway. So, um, so I was there totally alone, which, which actually really helped. Uh, but yeah, I mean, had I been in Los Angeles or New York, I just, I would have gone home and I would have, yeah. you know, seen the family and, and relaxed and let go. But here I, there was none of that. So yeah, you carry it with you the, each day. I think that's, that was kind of the, uh, the problem. I was suddenly that guy, you know, I was thinking when I was shooting, I'm, oh my God, I'm, I'm that guy. I, I can't let go of this. I'm going home. I'm, I'm pacing my apartment until the sun comes up so I can go back and do this again. I'm not even sleeping. I'm just, you know, so I was a bit of a wreck and I was really, really happy to, to be done. I mean, like a high school kid, I had a calendar in my hotel room. I was crossing off the wow. days, yeah. Wow. Well, I guess uh, no hair and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Maybe a cell phone wrangler is the only, is the only other person you need or flashlight yeah, really, yeah. handler or something. Yeah, like. you just have those those guys. And even then, it's an incredibly skeleton crew. There's yeah. very few people. You just, it's a, you know, maybe 12 people around the actual filming process. Did you find... And, and I know, you know, you said earlier about, you know, actors, you know, I was talking about, oh, I took it home with me. And it's sort of, you yeah, know, yeah, sometimes, yeah. you know, you, you, it, it can be sort of an uncomfortable conversation yeah. to have with someone who takes it a little bit too seriously. But I yeah. wonder if you, if you learn something about yourself and how quickly you can fall into a state, no matter how confident you are, and yeah. no matter sort of, you know, what your situation in life is, when things are turned upside down, how quickly everything can change for you. Yeah, yeah I think, I think, you know, that's, for everyone, that's evidenced in, 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 in different ways, mm -hmm. to different degrees. I mean, I, I think this film covers a situation that is, by and large, extraordinary. Yeah. And I don't think, you know, it, it's tough to say how you would... We're going to knock wood, knock wood on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, don't, I think it would be really difficult to gauge how, how one would react in there. I mean, I feel like, I feel like I, that was a pretty close representation of how I would right. behave in there. I think, um, you know, given given Paul Conroy's circumstances and the fact that he's not a superhero, he's not MacGyver, he's not any of that crap yeah. that's going to help him in the situation. I just I just really liked that they instilled that in him. He's a working class guy. He's you and me. 
he's a guy that can you know that 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 is in deep shit right now, yeah. and 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 there's no way for him to figure this out in a in a way that you typically see in a film. So. Yeah. Uh, when I was watching this movie, uh, I was thinking about uh, the proposal, which came out late last year or last year it was yeah. out recently. Last you know, summer. romantic comedy, uh, Green Lantern's coming up, big. You know, yeah. probably huge budget superhero thing, yeah. and I was thinking years ago, a big movie star like you making those kind of films that make a lot of money and stuff probably wouldn't take on a project like this. Maybe, There'd yeah. Be, yeah. Do you think? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I think times. I, I think that the the business has changed yeah. in a way that a movie like this with someone working at your level probably uh -huh. wouldn't have been possible twenty years ago, or you might not have had someone. Maybe, like Yeah, I think I think we're we're you know, it's sort of the opposite for me. I mean, a movie's you know, movies like The Proposal and, you know, bigger budget movies like Green Lantern and stuff are just such a privilege to, to be able to work on movies like that. Um, but a movie like Buried is is indulgent to me like that. Yeah. That, yeah, when we live in such a, uh, an age where information and uh, it can be very explosive or, but we're dealing with so much information that if something, you know, like a movie about a guy in a coffin doesn't work, nobody knows, nobody cares, nobody, it doesn't matter, you know, right. so, and going into it, I wasn't expecting to be sitting here talking to you at the Toronto Film Festival, right. uh, to be honest, I, I didn't think people would see the movie, right. I just, so, and it doesn't do your career any harm, if no. nobody sees it, if people see it though, they go, I think of him in a new way, maybe, yeah, or, or, or it's, or it's one of those films that at worst, it's an art house movie that, right. you know, uh, never caught on to the mainstream, at, at best it explodes, and people see something that really dares an audience to, to you know, to, to experience something rather than just watch it. I mean, the film is a true experience. I think you feel it when you watch it, and that's a that's unusual to find find a movie like that, let alone see a studio release it. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'll tell you, um, my experience of watching it was for the first twenty minutes, I wasn't sure whether I was going to be able to stay in the theater. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> I was I was it was yeah. at a. a a press screening here yeah. a few weeks ago. I live here, so I get to see stuff in advance. But it was packed, and I had to sit in the front row. Oh, and I was sort of staring up at this, and it kind oh, of man, felt I in a darkened idea. theater. Yeah. It, it kind of, it, it you know, I, I mean, it's obviously you know I had an exit plan, but yeah. but I, <laughs> or was able to have an exit yeah, plan. Yeah. But I found it really, really uncomfortable to watch for the first little while, for the first yeah. half an hour or so. Um, have you seen it with an audience? And what have uh, the reactions been? First of all, for the first 30 minutes in the coffin, I wanted to leave, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah. FYI. But uh, I, I, yeah, the first time I saw the film was in Sundance. Right. And um, I saw it with an audience for the first time. Man, I was so nervous. And they, uh, I, they took a breath at the beginning of the movie, and I think that was the last one they took until the end. And it was, I'd never been a part of a movie like that where the entire audience was leaning forward at a 45-degree angle staring yeah. up at the screen at the edge of their seat. And it was just... I kept, you know, Rodrigo kept punching me in the arm when we were when we were watching it, and he was, you know, because he he felt it as well, and it was kind of an amazing experience, particularly for him because he had the most to lose, you know, and he was a guy who was really risking something by doing a movie like this. So um, it was, I mean, it was just incredible. When they got out of the theater too, there was such a, an active discussion and dialogue as well, and it was, I don't know, it was a pretty nice, it was a great feeling, I gotta say. Yeah, I walked a little faster than usual out of that theater. Yeah, I yeah. think I was kind of just happy to be out of there, and it's yeah. not a reflection of the film. Well, I guess it is a reflection of the film, sure. but it's it, it you know it, it's it's a movie that I think is bound to to raise things in people that maybe yeah. you don't experience you know when you go see the Green Lantern or something yeah, like that, right? Absolutely. You know? I mean, it's as it's visceral as it gets, film, yeah. and it yeah, it gets in you, it gets in your in your cells a little bit, and it's and but I think that's what moviegoers are looking for an experience rather than just the same old. Stuff yeah. you know, I mean, this is a this is a thriller that is both a narrative challenge and a technical challenge, and those two are intrinsically linked, and that's what I think makes it very special that it was executed 
um, so well by Rodrigo. I, I just I have such admiration for that guy. I'd, I'd follow him into battle anyway. <laughs> well, for me, the the uh, scariest or sort of most intense parts weren't when the cell phone was up at your face yeah. or anything. Is when the, the screen would go dark for and it doesn't go yeah. dark for long periods of time, yeah. but it goes dark every now and again. And for me, that was the scariest part because then yeah. you're imagining yeah. what's going on. Yeah, a lot of that's my bad lighting, though. Because I, 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 this is the first film where I had to light myself, so it right. was it was uh, you can imagine it was uh, shooting was was difficult. I'm thinking of ten different things at once, and I have to keep myself lit in the sequence right. so um, the only takes we, we usually just did one take of something which yeah. is a real luxury but uh, sometimes we had to go back because I just didn't I didn't bounce the light off the right side you couldn't see a thing it was right. yeah Right. And was it just a regular cell phone, or was it? I mean, just a technical question. Like, was sure. the light a little brighter, or was it a little? We had several cell phones. Yeah. One, one was just really was like actually a flashlight. It was LEDs inside, and uh, um, or as the Spanish call them, LEDs. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they, 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 yeah, that that really lit up the the whole thing. But then when I was looking at the phone, and you'd see me over the shoulder, that was a real phone. Yeah. yeah. That takes us back a few years with Ryan Reynolds. You can see him this week in The Hitman's Bodyguard, but check out Buried if you've never seen it. I'm sure it's streaming somewhere that you can lay your greedy little eyeballs on it. Up next, we're going to talk about a movie called Ingrid Goes West. This is Aubrey Plaza and Elizabeth Olsen. Aubrey Plaza plays Ingrid, a lonely New Yorker who befriends people on Instagram and then becomes really upset when they don't let her into their lives. She's lame and basic, she calls herself. Uh, She goes so far as to show up uninvited to a, quote, friend's, unquote, wedding with a can of mace. Now, she gets insta-blocked by that person and then fixates on Taylor Sloan, played by Elizabeth Olsen, a California social media star with a seemingly perfect life. Then, like the title says, Ingrid goes west to try and work her way into Taylor's life. This is a terrific movie that is a little darker than you might expect, although if you've seen some of Aubrey Plaza's other films, you might not be terribly surprised here. And it's got the makings of either a comedy or a psychological thriller, but mostly it plays like a cautionary tale. It's a portrait of a woman who buys into the Instagram myth of an effortlessly curated life, and it's a withering comment on the real stories behind social media's hashtagged pictures. In this case, likes do not equal love. Fascinating stuff. Ingrid Goes West is the name of the movie. It's in theaters right now. Here's my chat with Aubrey Plaza. She had a bit of a cold, some sniffles, but she was a trooper and and sat and talked to me for quite some time on the phone. Here's Aubrey Plaza. Like a lot of people, I have kind of a love-hate relationship with social media. Yeah. And and I'm still trying to figure out how, uh, sort of where it fits in my world. Where does it fit in yours? I know that you've gone off Twitter and you've talked about it a little bit, but do you partake in social media at all anymore? I do. I have a public Instagram and and I'm on Twitter. Um, For me, I'm more comfortable using it as an extension of uh, work, work, tool I guess um, I, I like I, I don't I'm not interested in you know sharing every bit of my life with 
people that I don't know on their on you know social media. Although I do I do find it really fun, and I think it can be a really great way to connect, especially with your friends that you you don't get to see and 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 all that. And Twitter, I think, um, is a great place for just comedy. I mean, that's that's what I like it for. Like, I love following comedians and. Um, and and stuff like that. So I, I don't know. I but I agree. I have a love hate relationship with it too. And it 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 is really hard to to navigate and to and to figure out you know how how much a part of your life it should be. And did doing this movie make you think about it a little bit differently? You know, because you played someone who is so obsessed by the pretty images on Instagram and other places. Did it make you think about the way you interact with uh, photographs and, and information that you receive on social media? Yes, I think it, it just is it I think it just really reminded me how how none of how it's not re- none of the none all of the perfect beautiful things that you see uh, you know they're 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 um purpose they're purposeful mm-hmm. like they're not it's not real i think i think it's a, the film is a is a really great reminder that we're all flawed and and we have to be careful about the stories that we tell about ourselves and and I think it's it's important to I don't know build awareness about just how it makes us feel at the end of the day and I think um for me personally I always try to be authentic in every way that I can um but it's really hard to be on social media because you have so much control over what you can show you know um, so as a as a consumer of it, I think it's I think the movie has just like you know taught me that it's it's not always what it seems. And as a performer, as an actor, and a famous person, I guess that puts even more onus on you in terms of the way that you present yourself on social media, because um, you know where if you were uh, you know a bartender you might have a thousand people following you on twitter but your twitter account likely has many more people so the stuff you put out there has a lot more reach it does um so it does yeah so but i for me i i still try to just behave on it like anyone else would i i don't I don't try. I don't want to, you know, not be myself because of how many followers I have or something. I I think I I think it's it's com- it's complicated, but um, I think it's just for me. It's more comfortable to use it to create awareness about the projects that I'm really excited about for people that are are excited about them about it too. And so I, I engage with it in that in that way. Uh, and it's interesting. This was a project that, from what I understand, really grabbed you. You were a producer on it. 
Yeah. For one thing, so what was it about it that that drew you in? Was it the chance to play a character like Ingrid, or was it the topic, or or what was it? Well, first it was just the script. It's a beautifully written script, and I just I did love the characters so much. I thought all of the characters in the film are so specific, and there's just a timeliness about the subject matter that I thought they just nailed. Um, and yes, I wanted to play that character. I I was excited about being in a movie that that almost felt like a character study. Ingrid is in almost every scene of the movie, I think, in it, maybe in every single scene of the movie, and I've never been in a movie where I'm, where I'm, you know, in every single scene. So it was exciting to me, the idea that I would have so much time to kind of take that character on a journey and really kind of dig really deep and peel back all of those layers. Um, that kind of work is really exciting for me. I found myself torn while I was watching the movie between looking at her as someone who's manipulative, looking at her as someone who's easy to kind of dislike, and that, on the other hand, there's something that's really deeply sad about her as well. So yeah. I'm, I'm still not sure exactly how I feel about her, but I guess as an actor, you can't really judge your character in that sense. But, I mean, you had to, I guess, understand when you're playing her that she's probably not going to be all that likable to a mass audience. How, how do you uh, calibrate that? How do you, how do you go forward with that? Well, yeah, I agree. Her actions are questionable, and she does some really bad things in the film. But I, I, I did. I, it's true. I, I, I didn't want to judge her, and I wanted to have compassion for her and to try to understand why someone would do do those things and where does where does that come from? And I just really related to the idea of feeling like I, you want to connect and you want someone to like you and 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 loneliness and, and depression. I think that plays a big part of it too. And and also just the idea of of not um you know, folk, not taking care of yourself and not and and putting the focus on someone else on someone else you know and comparing yourself to someone else and 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 all of those things so I, I think I, I never thought it to myself oh how am I going to make her likable but I just always wanted to treat Ingrid like a real person and 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 to try to bring up those those deep insecurities and those layers underneath and that maybe the audience would maybe feel something for her because they could connect to some of those feelings. I think so, and I think, you know, it's really interesting when she first meets Taylor, played by Elizabeth Olsen in the film, when she first meets her, I, I, I kind of felt like she was almost setting herself up to fail because Taylor is so superficial. The day after they meet, she says something like, you're so awesome, you're the greatest person I've ever met, <laughs> yeah. whatever the line is, you know. And they haven't even known one another for a day yet, I don't think. And, yeah. and I, I just thought, oh, something terrible is going to happen here. 
because, you know, in Taylor's world, I think everyone's the greatest person she's ever met. That she's that superficial, and Ingrid's really looking for a connection, and she's not going to find it there. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think you're so. I think you're you're totally right. That's exactly. That's exactly why it's so tragic. Mm-hmm. And you know, perhaps it's just because social media hasn't been around really all that long. You know, maybe I don't know, ten years, something like that. That we're still figuring it out. And you know, just from the way that you use it and what you think, like, do you do you see it being as uh, prevalent? You know, ten years from now, or do you think it's something that we're all just obsessed with for the moment? But it could be something like. I don't know, hula hoops or pet rocks or something like that, yeah. that is a fad for a while and then seems to sort of, you know, find its level. I don't know. I mean, I, I really don't know. I, I'm really interested in talking about it and and encouraging other people to just talk about how they feel about it and how it's affecting them and how much time they spend on it. I think it's really important to build awareness of just how much time people are spending on these things. And I don't know, personally, I hope that it goes away. You know, I hope that it doesn't stick around for for forever, but I'm sure it'll change, you know, it'll morph into something else. And there's a lot of, you know, positive things that come out of it, too. There's people that get support on there and... and I don't, it's a, you know, it's a global connector, so I I don't want to dismiss those parts of it, but I think that there's just something so isolating about it, and that, and th- th- those are the things that I really don't like, and I, I think that there's just more value in being present and living in the world that you're in. Yeah, there's something about for me anyway, there's something about being that accessible and that kind of out in the world that, you know, makes me slightly uncomfortable that sort of almost anyone can find you. And and there's no, there, you know, people, I'm on television here and, I'm, and, and I write and, and I, I, I'm on social media because, you know, as a construct of my job, I have to be, but right. I, I, I find it. But do they make you do it? They don't make me do it, but it's certainly encouraged, you know, I mean, right. and, 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 and like you, I use it mostly for professional things. When this article comes out next week, I'll tweet about it. You know, I'll tweet about that we had a lovely conversation, that kind of thing. But, you know, what it's, what it's done is, for better and for worse, it's opened up a portal where uh, everyone can, can get to you and find you very easily and, and expect things from you. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't know if that's your situation with it or not. Do you actually do your own social media? Is that a question I can ask? I do, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, some, do. mm-hmm. yeah, some people don't. Yeah, some people don't. I, I know. I, I do because I, I, yeah, I mean, I would just, I, I try, I honestly, I'm, I use it more. My public Instagram is a professional tool. It's a way for people to see what I'm up to. And that's really the, the most comfortable I, way that I can use it. I, but I also would never want someone else to be in control of right. that for me. Like, I would never you know, have some, you know, someone else write a book and then put my name on it. I'm just not like that. Um, And I would rather 
you know, be try to at least behave like everyone else does on it and post dumb pictures and have fun and not take it so seriously. Um, because I think there's also just such a kind of thing happening nowadays where every, you know, every, uh, it's hard not to be, you know, dissected and analyzed and everything is, everyone, yeah, you're right, everyone has so much access, but I'm not interested in people having, you know, direct access to me. Um, That is not something I'm comfortable with. It's overwhelming, too, I think, so it could be. Will we see you producing more things? Definitely. Um, Yes, I I hope so. And is, is that a way to maintain control over the kind of projects that you do or is it just because it's fun and cool and you can work with interesting people or is it a bit of both? I think it's a bit of both. Um, It's definitely, I I mean, I I am a filmmaker. I went to film school. I studied production. Um, My whole life growing up I was constantly making movies. So for me it's, it's creatively fulfilling to have an impact on the end product, you know, and to really be involved in every step of the process. I would say that I'm not, that doesn't, I don't, that doesn't have to be the case for every movie I do now moving forward. I, you know, sometimes I would like to just be an actor and show up and just be focusing on that part of it because it is really hard to act and produce at the same time. And, um, so I, I, I think they're all, you know, hopefully be involved in in many versions of producing different projects but um it's not something that i oh, that i'm you know it, it'll it'll just depend on the project ingrid made sense because it is so um it was just important for me to to be involved in every step of making that movie well aubrey thank you so much and, Thank you. Yeah, and uh, I'll, I'll tweet at you. <laughs> I'll tweet you back. <laughs> Aubrey Plaza doesn't want you wasting your life on social media, and neither do I, so get out of here. Take a walk. It's a beautiful day. See what's going on in the rest of the world. I'd like to thank Aubrey for coming by, Ryan Reynolds. Most of all, though, I want to thank you. Without you, there'd be no us. Without you, there'd be no point in talking about all the stuff that we talk about. Uh, We put up a new show every single Monday. You never know who's going to come by for a visit. And who knows, maybe it will be one of your favorite people. So come back and see us frequently because uh, you never know who's going to be here.